saying, I don't know. I know this in here. There's no parts to worry about, so it's easy to follow. But I'm actually saying this thing this song because you need to excellent job directing our thoughts in song. And thank you again to all who are present. It's always a joy to stand before you. Appreciate your kindness. Appreciate your support. Appreciate the elders affording me another opportunity to stand before you and break open a portion of the bread of life that we know is God's Word. It's been a beautiful day. The temperature has been so nice. And I trust that everyone have enjoyed themselves and have participated in activities today that are very enjoyable to you and that you've been able to take full advantage of the beauty of this afternoon. What a beauty it is that we can assemble this the second time upon the first day of the week to worship, we trust, both in spirit 
and in truth. To sing these songs of praise together. To pray together according to God's will. And to thank Him for all His choice blessings unto us. And to fellowship one with the other of like and precious faith. That's beautiful. And I'm thankful for yet another opportunity. I would invite you please to open with me to the book of Isaiah. Chapter 25 and verse 8. Isaiah 25, please. And when you arrive there, would you please go down to verse 8. Let's continue talking about the resurrection. We talked about the resurrection in several lessons a month or so ago. I don't want to leave that topic. We talked about thanking this morning. We had two sermons regarding Christian thanking. We're setting your mind on things above. The focal point of our worship service on the first day of the week is the Lord's Supper. And the focal point of the Lord's Supper is Christ Jesus. And without Him, as the old hymn says, without Him, I lost, lost, truly spiritually lost, would I be. Our faith the Christian system, our religion, what we hold near and dear is predicated upon the risen Savior. And every first day of the week, we celebrate that with Christian people gathering around His table. To remember that sacrifice that purchased the church and in turn, honestly, purchased our souls as well. Give us an opportunity, or gave us, excuse me, an opportunity to be reconciled once again back to the Father. We've talked about these things several times. So what I want to do from the Old Testament and the New, and share several <clears throat> verses with you that simply teach the importance of resurrection. Cornerstone of our faith. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, but it doesn't stop there. If it stopped there, we'd be most pitiful. We would be people most miserable. But it didn't stop there. On the third day, by the power of God, His Son was resurrected. The first fruits from the dead. An example for us. We can be bodily resurrected in the fullness of time as well. Doesn't that place a smile on your face? A joy in your heart? Spiritual self. A reason to celebrate and sing. And oh, a reason to say thank you in the avenue of prayer. Day in and day out, 
We serve a risen Savior. Isaiah 25 and verse 8, the major prophet says this, He will swallow up. He'll consume it. Death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off. And notice, A-L-L. Notice, this was written in Isaiah's time. But the prophet said, all faces. The Gospel. The saving message of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, is going to be for all people. All will be able to blend their voices together under a new covenant in thanksgiving and praise unto the Lord. Furthermore, Isaiah 53, 28 chapters to the right, I believe. Now you know when I start handling math, you better be careful. I believe that's right. From 25 to 53. Isaiah 53. Overly familiar to you. Talks about the suffering that the Messiah was going to endure. Think about what Brother Ben shared with us this morning as we think about suffering. We got to see it firsthand. An instrument that would have been used and has been used to flog, to scourge, to physically make the body destitute. Well, that was just the beginning, wasn't it? Marred more than any other man to the point of not being able to be recognized by those that knew Him. It was just the beginning. Isaiah 53 and verse 5, please. But He was wounded because of me. That's what the Scripture says. He was wounded for our sins, our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. On Him, the Messiah, God's begotten Son, was the chastisement that brought us peace. His suffering, His death, brought about peace. That's normally not the case. Oftentimes when someone suffers and death occurs, well, there's further wrath. <coughs> certain individuals are very mad. And oftentimes revenge becomes present. But not with our Lord. His death, peace for us. Because the wrath of God, righteous wrath, Pursue sin. And I was in the way of that wrath, and so were you. 
our transgressions, our iniquities, our sins, He took upon His innocent self. And we have peace. And by His stripes, we are healed. He was willing to pay our guilty sentence. I never grow tired. We talked about individuals that say taking the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week as the Bible prescribes will make it commonplace. Have you grown tired of talking about Jesus? Has He become commonplace to you? How often do you think about His sacrifice? Has it become commonplace? I see many of you doing this because you realize how ridiculous such a statement is. That following God a little more closely would somehow be a negative. Or doing things His way somehow displeasing. How we enjoy talking about the resurrection. How we enjoy thinking about the price, the ransom that was given. How we enjoy thinking about the body and the blood that was freely given. It pierces us. It hurts us. Why? Our transgression, our iniquity, I'm at fault. That hurts. Oh, but I'm thankful. And when I believe and know and am persuaded, convinced that God, our Father, loved us that much, it never becomes commonplace. It's something that we think about often. He didn't just stop there. Resurrected, and he went away to prepare a place where he is, you may be also. How good, how merciful, and how much grace is contained in the scriptures when we think about our Lord. Immeasurable. In the Gospel of John, please, chapter 11. And two verses. John 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus Himself speaking said this, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, Yet shall he live. There's a prescription for sin, folly, death. Come into Christ and you don't have to worry about those things any longer. <coughs> you can turn that over to God. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Lives and believes. I emphasize. 
You live according to what you believe. Are you willing? Is it enough to say I believe and not live according? And the answer is no. If you believe in me and live, you shall never die. So the question comes, do you believe this? You wouldn't be here if you did not. But have you stepped out on that faith? You believe in Jesus Christ. You trust the Gospel. Will you trust Him enough to allow Him to save your very soul? He can do it. And He's willing. We have to respond. That's why that question's there. In John eleven twenty six, Dost thou believe this? In this context, the individual lady said, I know I'll see you again in the resurrection. Jesus said, you are looking at the resurrection. I'm standing before you, ma'am. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe in me? Lazarus came forth at the call of the voice of the Master. That's all it took. There was no gimmick. There was no pause. There was no, I have to go get this and I'll be back, wait for me. The power of the Word. Demonstrated. And Jesus asked, do you believe this? not going to do anything against your will. As Brother Webster said, we are free moral agents, right? We decide God's the righteous and fair judge. The Word of God, so much evidence, you can't miss it. But you can choose to be disobedient. But in the judgment day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Son of the living God. One way or the other, it will be confessed. Why not confess it upon obedient belief? And come into Christ and be added to His church upon your faithful response to God's Word. Boy, that would be better. That's the only way, actually. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in verse 21, some very important information. Dire importance. 1 Corinthians 15.21 The Bible says this, For as by a man came death, that's sin through man, by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. 
All? Yes, in Christ. As I like to say, there's the qualifier. You have to be residing somewhere. Be covered by Him. Has He paid your debt? Yes. Is it the gospel for all? Yes. Have you been obedient? Now there's the question. Do you believe and live? The question comes again and again and again. When you're talking about the resurrection, you're talking about a response that's demanded concerning the resurrected Savior. The Bible doesn't just teach us these things so we'll know it. The Bible expects us to have an active faith toward what we know. To live according and tell others that you're in your sins. That's our fault. But God loved us enough to give us yet another opportunity. And when we're baptized into Christ, they're washed away. As far as the east is from the west, in the mind of God, they're gone. And you now have an advocate in Jesus, and when you make a mistake, you can repent of that, ask for forgiveness as a Christian, and it's gone. And you walk in the light as He is in the light. Can the world offer anything like that to you? There's no finer message. All the riches and all the splendor of the world when hell fails you goes by the wayside. But that faith that you have in Christ that you've been made alive in Him never fails unless we turn away from it. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says that we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who does the church belong to? Jesus Christ. It is the church of Christ. Folks mean well when they say that's Bridge Church down there. They say that to me sometimes. And I have to correct them. And sometimes they think I'm being smart. And they'll say, oh, you know what I meant. Yes, I did. But I didn't die on the cross for you. I feel very disrespectful to call the body anything but Christ. Sometimes we look over those things. And folks do mean well. The hope that I have is not in myself. Because if it is, I'm hurting. It's not in this world. It's not in another person. I know some fine, fine individuals that I have up in my mind on a high playing field. Guess what? They're all sinners saved by grace. 
just like all of us. Up on the highest is the one who purchased our souls by His own blood. And that is no one else but the resurrected Christ. He deserves all honor, all praise, all distinction, all glory. You name it. If it's positive and worthy, it's His. In all things, He may have the preeminence the place of recognition. If we live, we live to Christ. And if we die, yes, we die to Christ. In all things, please allow Christ to be glorified. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 gives us an understanding of being immersed in baptism into Christ. And it says by the resurrection that you're buried with Him and you rise to walk in a newness of life. Don't have this written down. You check me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 I believe says that we are a new creation. I feel real good about that. I know someone's going to shake their head at me. Yeah, your name. Thank you, Shelby. A newness of life. Born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed by the living and abiding Word of God. If Jesus didn't resurrect, that would mean nothing to you. If we could visit the grave side of Jesus, we would be so disheartened. And rightfully so. But you can't, and you never will. Even to the point where individuals said, make up this fable and tell it. They stole it. We can't let this get out. Centurion said, truly. Could you imagine? After all that, <coughs> truly this man was the Son of God. Well, that was, that was some wise thinking. I wish we thought that earlier. Perhaps he did and did not have the courage to step out. I don't know. That's speculation. A newness of life. Different values. Different goals. A different outlook than what you had when you were living for self and the world. And oftentimes folks don't know it, but they're serving Satan. You've got two options. You're serving the Lord or you're serving the world. And who's the prince of the air? Who rules over this whole world? The Bible has taught us. One time in Scripture, Jesus said, because of your disobedience, you are of your Father. Beelzebub or the devil. It's because they would not follow the Word of God. That puts you over on this side. Perhaps I should say this side and be more accurate on my left here. According to Scripture, it's one of two areas. Left or right. What happens if we become lukewarm in the sight of God? The Bible says I would rather you be one or the other, hot or cold. 
Because when you're lukewarm, it, it really kind of nauseates me. I just spew you out. That's not possible, preacher. That's not, that's not what I believe. That's what the Bible says. I will spew you out of my mouth. Yes, it's figurative, but what's the lesson? What's he saying? Quit straddling the fence. Make a decision. Right? When I point at you, i got these pointing back at me. I've always told you that. Preach sermons that I need to. That we all need. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, By the power of God, Jesus was raised, and by His power, He can raise you as well. That's what it says. It's plain and simple. 1 Corinthians 6.14. Let's read it. God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Who are you counting on? Who are you trusting? Who are you following? Let's follow the one that has the power to resurrect the dead. Why was Peter able to do that with Dorcas? Because God allowed it. Why was Paul able to restore? Because he was serving the risen Savior. Could they have done that outside of God? Absolutely not. Now, I cannot physically raise anyone from the dead, but I can plant seeds to assist you that if you'll be obedient, you'll have that privilege. It's going to happen. There's going to be resurrection bodily of all individuals. We will all receive a glorious body, but that glorious body will reside in one of two places for an eternity. The choice is ours. We don't like to think about one, and we love to think about the other. If I find myself on the left, outside, depart from me, I never knew you, it's because I worked iniquity. That's what Jesus said. You who work iniquity. It's not God's fault. Oh, I love to deflect blame. Don't you? Someone says something to me, I, I, I start automatically thinking, of, how am I going to respond? Because it surely wasn't me. In the day of judgment, we're thinking about our lives. You're standing before the resurrected Savior. He knows. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. We're not going to deflect have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what I, if I'm able to say anything, have mercy on me. I tell you what I sure won't do is say, I'm so glad, Lord, I'm not like such and such. I sure won't be doing that. That'd be pharisaical, wouldn't it? He has the power. Romans 8.34 says, is to condemn. Who am I to judge by my standard? It's easy to do that, but it's not right. Here's the standard of judgment. Right there. We're messengers. You've heard the expression, don't shoot the messenger. You're a messenger. Oftentimes folks think that this is you. If you're telling what the Bible says, that didn't originate with you. 
Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 34, is the one who died. More than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who am I to condemn? Who am I to usurp God's authority? Do you think that way about judging by our measurement? I know, I'm going to try to paint a picture. I know when you see individuals or you hear about individuals, we just talked about this afternoon, that have perverted the Scriptures, that bothers you. As a Bible-believing person, a student of the Bible, when someone is worshiping God in such a way that is different or foreign to what the Bible says, you quickly say, how dare they? You serve God's authority. That's not what God said. As Brother Leland, we were thinking, and we were talking last week. I can't find authority for that. That's important to us. To have a word from the Lord so that we can put our faith in it. How about when we're judging? Do we feel the same? You see, I'm quick to judge. Sometimes I judge in such a way that Brent's standard creeps in. Can I do that? My standard doesn't matter. My opinion when it comes to what God has legislated doesn't matter. All that matters. And if I try to condemn, if I try to overstep I'm disrespecting the resurrected Savior. I'm getting outside of my bounds. I can't do that. As human beings, it's easy for us to do that, to use our measuring stick, our ruler, if you will, our rule of thumb. We have to use the gods. Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2 says, There is now no more condemnation in Christ of those who believe in Him. I don't want to spend my time arguing and condemning and trying to hurt people. Wouldn't it be so much better to use our time sojourning in fear, working out our salvation with both fear and trembling and being an asset to those around us? Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be beneficial? Letting God's Word be the standard. Lastly, I leave you with this. Closing several sermons over the months, thinking about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 17 says, If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile, futile, excuse me, and you are still in your sins. We're lost and undone outside of the saving actions of of Jesus Christ. Might as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. And what the Bible means is you really die. You have no hope beyond the grave. Thanks be to God, that's where our hope begins. Different than the world. It hurts us. It's devastating to lose someone that you love. Oh, but when they're in Christ, you can say assuredly, I'll see you again. We will be together once more. 
We have that hope. And Romans 8.24 says that we are saved by that hope. It motivates you. You don't have to say goodbye anymore. First Thessalonians says, chapter 5, and He will bring those back with Him that have gone on before. They died in Christ. You're saved as a Christian. Even in the peril of death, you're saved. And yes, we miss our loved ones. And yes, it's difficult. And I don't try to cheapen that for a second. But take comfort and take hope. That Jesus is the first fruits, and therefore you and your loved one, by the power of God, just as we read 1 Corinthians 6:14, by that power we can be resurrected again. We can go to heaven, the family of God. And we're not going to live in heaven just for a season. Oh no. It's for an eternity. I've asked you this before. Have you ever tried to wrap your mind around the concept of eternity? Here's what happens to me when I try to do that. I stop thinking after so much time. I cannot process on and on and on and on not bound by time. My futile mind is restricted. My carnal mind is restricted But the Bible says it, therefore it must be true. Where He is, we may be also. And furthermore, the Bible says to comfort one another with these words. We need comfort in this whole world. In the turmoils and the trials and the tribulations. The things that Satan places in your way. And because of death made possible by sin, we need comfort. And the Bible gives us that. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. You may not know it. If you're in Jesus this evening, you've already won the victory. Death has no sting. None. Zero. You can rest assured if you continue faithful, that heaven is your home and you shut your eyes in death where tragedy strikes, because of the resurrected Savior, hope abounds and continues. I received from the Lord that which also I delivered unto thee, that Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures. And on the third day He was resurrected. That's the start, paraphrased, of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4. through 4. The Lord's table is a weekly remembrance of that very fact. Is it not the same language in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and following? I received from the Lord that which I delivered. Just as it was given to me, Paul says, Apostle, I'm giving it to you. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks, and the same for the cup. 
And He said, do this in remembrance of Me. My body, My shed blood, sacrificed for you that you may have hope. And He's with us. The kingdom is the church. It is found anew in that kingdom. And we celebrate life spiritually over death. We celebrate the victory obtained by us and made possible the grace and mercy of an almighty and forgiving God through His Son. We are thankful. If you are present this evening and you have a need to render faithful obedience to your Lord's invitation, all things are ready. Won't you come to the feast? Believe in Christ Jesus. Turn away from your sins by repenting of them. Confess your faith before this congregation. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And be buried with Him in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your past sins. This baptism now saves you also. We are all sons of God through faith. For as many of us have been baptized into Christ, have put on or clothed ourselves with Christ. Brothers, sisters, friends, you cannot be saved outside of Christ. The psalm that's been selected says, In Christ alone will you respond while He intercedes in mercy before it's everlasting too late. If you have a decision to make, no matter what that need may be, pray that you do so. As together we stand and while we sing. In Christ alone.